the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Now, it'll come as no surprise to you to find out that this week's episode is all about Budget 2023. And we have a stellar cast of commentators and experts for you. We have Jennifer Bray from the Irish Times Political Staff, Cliff Taylor, also of the Irish Times, Kevin McLaughlin, tax partner with EY, and Sven spollen Behrens, who is the director of the Small Firms Association. They're all going to be giving you their views and their takes on different aspects of the budget. But we're going to begin with Jennifer Bray of our political staff, who I'm delighted to say has joined us in the studio, no less. Jennifer, maybe you could take us through the main points of the budget. Yes, so Pascal Donoghue kicked off the budget speech at the Dáil lunchtime by saying this must be a cost of living budget. All that's very obvious. Um, he kind of went through some of the risks, but he got some of the worst news, I think, out of the way early doors, which, uh, you know, Two, two things which took out there, that inflation would run to 7% next year. Very unwelcome news. And also the department was revising down their forecasts for next year, particularly in terms of uh, modified domestic demand uh, to one and a quarter percent. And with the bad news out of the way, then he moved on to some of the, the headline figures. Um, so what we're talking about is a budget package which has one-off measures worth 4.1 billion. Um, an overall budget package, which is the core package, the recurring package, 6.9 billion, which brings the whole thing to just over, over 11 billion, which is obviously massive, um, uh, you know, a very unique um, budget, uh, low the might, say, giveaway, because I, I know people really dislike that term. So some of the headline measures then, first thing we learned is the excise, uh, the, the cuts to petrol, diesel, marked gas, oil, that continue 28th of February. Moving on to tax, there's an income tax package worth more than 1 billion. So basically you will start paying the top level of tax uh, at 40,000 uh, now, uh, which is uh, uh, 3,200 higher. So that's, it depends on really how much you earn, how much you will get, how much you will benefit from that. If you are a lower income earner, you could basically receive as little as 180, 190 euro a year. If you are a higher income earner, you could receive more than 800 euro a year in a benefit from that. A few changes to the USC bands just to make sure the people who received the minimum wage increase don't lose out on that. Um, I don't see that lost uh, uh, in this package. Moving on to housing, obviously housing is one of the biggest social issues, uh, if not the biggest issue besides COVID uh, the country's facing. Few headline measures help to buy scheme extended, though being kept under review. New rent tax credit of five hundred euro. This is a kind of a controversial one, um, uh, which can also be used for rent claimed in two thousand and twenty-two, which I suppose some people will will welcome. And a vacant homes tax, which has been in the, in the works for quite some time, actually. Jennifer, can I just ask you? Do we know how renters are actually going to avail of that credit? Are they going to have to apply to revenue for it? That's my understanding is it will be uh, uh, applied by revenue or you've, you'll have to apply to revenue. There's a bit of confusion at the moment around what happens for, uh, say, married couple. Is it a thousand? Is it per household? That's That will all be clarified later uh, at a department briefing. Um, so we also found out in, in, just separately in relation to housing, there will be a, a levy on concrete, poor concrete and other concrete products at a rate of 10%. This is in relation to the MICA. Um, now that won't even touch off anywhere near close to what Mike, the actual MICA cost, which would be well over 3 billion. Um, but that's that's in relation to the industry. Um, moving on then in terms of business, uh, business was one of the, the last pieces of the budget to be nailed down. It was one of the final things that went to leaders. And what we have now is something akin to what we saw in the pandemic, which we, you know, emergency supports. This is the temporary business energy support scheme, TVES. Uh, effectively, what it is, is up to 10,000 10, euro for small and medium businesses per month. Um, it's 40% of, the, of, their, of their excess prices capped at 10,000 uh, uh, if they if they are eligible for 
for that and um, they always have to be tax compliant to avail of, of that. One or two other measures in relation to business. Um, we will see the hospitality sector very disappointed in relation to the VAT and, uh, and the fact that those changes will come in next that's March. That, that's, that'll be an open sore there. Um, I suppose moving on then, a uh, couple of other head measures that are kind of chestnuts every year. 50 cent on a pack of cigarettes, nothing on the booze this year, which would be welcome um, by many, I'm sure. Um, and I suppose then moving on to the the tax package, we talked about that and the welfare package. The welfare package is, is massive, really. And it consists of a number of one-off measures and a number of core measures. So that the core weekly welfare rate will rise by 12 euro. There was talk that it would be 15 euro. There was a push in other aspects of, of government for 10. They landed at 12. No surprise to anybody. 12 euro is substantial. 12 euro is substantial. But what the opposition are arguing was that actually, um, when you get to the, a, a certain stage next year, it won't be anywhere near enough to match what the cost of inflation, what the cost of living actually is. Because people have seen that cost massively increase and the 12 euro doesn't go anywhere near close to that. Um, they also would have, you know, Sinn Féin were saying that if they'd been in government, they would have brought in that change in October rather than next January. There's a lot of, like I said, once-off um, allowances, which they'll be under pressure next year to replicate. So I'm talking about lump sum 400 euro for, for those on, on the fuel allowance. There'll be a double payment of welfare in around Halloween uh, or October, November. And then there'll be the Christmas bonus as well, of course. Um, 500 euro for people in receipt uh, of, the fuel, of the fuel payment and a double child benefit payment, uh, which I believe will be in November. Uh, now, you mentioned, I think you mentioned earlier on briefly, the electricity credits, that that will be 600 euro. So people will receive 200 euros before Christmas, probably late November, and another 200, another 200 leading into next spring. After now, there might be point? a bit of confusion about this because there was a €200 Euro credit announced earlier in the year, um, but I don't think that was actually paid out, was it? It was, yes. It was, was. okay. Euro credit so this out, is yeah. on top of the 200 already paid out. So it's effectively €800 Euro is what we're going to, exactly. over the period of time. Originally, they were saying, we'll do another €200, Euro, but as the costs have, have mounted, and this is what we've seen with the once-off budget of €4 billion, that once-off budget started at 1 billion, then it went to 2 billion, then it went to 3 billion, and today it's 4.1 billion. And this just shows the scale of the crisis and the political pressure that the government are under, um, and which is why they've also gone for areas in the budget, um, such as childcare and uh, education. So in childcare, they vowed to cut uh, fees by 25%. Their pledge is that over two budgets, they'll cut childcare fees by 50%. So this relates to the monthly or the hourly uh, 50 cent rate, which will go up uh, to 1 euro 40 cent. Um, they're saying that could be worth anywhere up to two thousand one hundred euro. Now, in terms of cutting those uh, childcare fees, are they are they simply paying the money on behalf of uh, families, on behalf of parents, um, to the to the operators? There. Okay, so do the operators? Does this any of this trickle down to the staff? Because no. we know it's a low paid sector. So there are two things here. There was an agreement last year that if the government put in place um, a proper amount of core funding into the childcare sector, that they would have to freeze the fees. So this would not be passed down an increase in, in in the hourly rate. This won't be basically absorbed by the childcare providers and result in any kind of higher cost for for parents. The second thing is there was um, an employment. Uh, um, order basically which has increased the conditions and pay of childcare sector workers that came into effect three weeks ago I think three or four weeks ago which was announced by the government and so there that package is in together separately you have primary school and third level will be big beneficiaries so primary school headline measure one of the ones that got a lot of headlines the weekend was free books for primary school students now that'll benefit up to half a million students the pressure will be on 
then to continue that into for secondary school students because that's actually where the books are most expensive. Um, and then in terms of third level, this year there will be a €1,000 cut in student registration fees. There will also be a double payment of the monthly SUSE grant towards the end of the year, uh, a similar payment for PhD students. And then next year there will be a €500 cut for incomes up to €100,000. And I think that rises then to a higher level for incomes below €62,000. So there's a lot there in terms of education. Uh, Mm. Some of them are immediate, some of them are long-term. I suppose, taken in the round, parents will will probably, well, absolutely welcome. The question is, it's enough now, will it be enough next year? Mm. Okay. Um, And just uh, going back to um, the housing element of it, uh, there was nothing really for landlords, was there? There was uh, landlords in terms, there was uh, measures in terms of um, pre-letting expenses. And mm. I think that was increased. And there was a bit of toing and froing about whether they were going to do anything for landlords at all. They're very open to the optics of doing anything for landlords in, in the budget. And, and I think they were kind of very cautious around those. There was a lot of toing and froing about whether that would be included. And it was included in the end. I think that level has been increased to 10,000 euros is my understanding. Um, but the big ticket item around, you know, cutting the taxation burden on them, which is something that we're told is affecting no. small landlords and it's the reason why they're leaving the market. Nothing on that. Nothing on that. And, and, and this came up in the taxation, the Commission taxation <laughs> papers. They had a, a number of, a various number of uh, options, I suppose, put out for the government. And there was a desire in government to do it. But I think <laughs> in the end, the political reality won out that last year, one of the biggest criticisms of the, of the budget was the fact they did nothing for renters. So this year they have decided to bring in this 500 euro rent credit, which has found no favour with the opposition, might I say. Right, OK. Now, what was the opposition's reaction to this very generous budget package? Um, well, it's not really surprising that the opposition found themselves having to welcome a number of measures because some of those measures will be welcome no matter where you look at it. You know, pre-primary school books, the extension of GP visit cards to 430,000 people. That was one of the big ticket items that came out late last night. Uh, in fact, most of the budget came out late last night. Um, and, you know, those kind of measures were welcomed. But in terms of the GP cards, for example, Sinn Féin said, you have previously announced the extension of free GP care to kids years and years and years in a row. And it was only last week, the last year's one actually came into effect. So it's a big promise, but the proof will be in the delivery. The other, the main area where the opposition have scored, and I, I focus mainly on Sinn Féin because that's the speech I managed to catch before I, I, I ran in here. Uh, they landed a blow, I think, on the government when they talked about the rent credit. So it's a 500 euro rent credit. We talked about this earlier on. What Pierce Doherty, uh, Sinn Féin's finance spokesman, said in the doll was that a couple of years ago, Pascal Donoghue himself said that it would make no sense to bring in a rent credit and that it could be subsumed directly into the landlord's pocket. And earlier this year, when Mary Lou Macdonald in the doll channeled, uh, challenged the Taoiseach Michal Martin on this, he also said that this would only add to inflationary pressures. So he was saying, even by your own admission, this measure that you're bringing in is not going to be enough. And he said it's a pale imitation, was were his words, of what Sinn Féin proposed to do, which is put a month's rent back in renters' pockets. That's a soundbite, but it's an effective one. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, well, listen, Jennifer Bray, I know you're going to have a, a busy evening, so we're going to let you go. Jennifer Bray from our political staff, thank you for joining Inside Business. Now, uh, happy to say that uh, we're joined on the line by Kevin McLaughlin, a tax partner with EY, also joined in studio by Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times. Uh, Cliff, I might just ask you for um, your thoughts on this uh, budget. Jennifer mentioned earlier about how the economic uh, forecasts were watered down, um, and it looks like the economy is going to flatline next year. Yeah, I think this is one of the really striking things about the budget today. Of course, the immediate focus is going to be on the massive measures and what it means for people's pockets. And that's 
that's quite understandable. But the economic forecasts for next year have been changed pretty fundamentally. So as we know, it's difficult to get a measure of the Irish economy. GDP is messed up, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of focus tends to be on what's called modified domestic demand, which is a a metric the Department of Finance uses to look at the size of the domestic economy, and it reckons it's only going to grow by a little over 1% next year. So you don't have to go a long way there to you know to see that they, they see a risk of recession or even the likelihood that domestic demand will fall in the early months of this year compared to uh, or next year compared to compared to this year so so that is fairly stark and on the flip side then they've increased their inflation forecast for next year to over seven percent which is which is really striking uh, after a bit more than eight percent this year uh, and that kind of signals one thing for me which is that there is going to be pressure as Jennifer alluded to there, I think to repeat a lot of the once-off measures from this year again next year because you're giving a lot of money to households and you know pretty substantial sums of money um, between the energy credit and, and the extra child benefit payment, for example. You could have households with two or three kids getting eight, nine hundred, over a thousand euro from the once-off measures, you know, late this year and, and early next year. Tax-free. Tax-free, absolutely. But what happens then next year? If energy prices are still high towards the middle latter part of next year, and those payments have you know washed out of people's personal finances, households could be worse off next year than they were this year, and also the business supports are due to only last till February. Now, that's a sensible thing to do because nobody has a clue what next year is going to look like. Yeah. No, of course they did, as you were writing about earlier today. They did set aside a chunk of change for the rainy day fund, what we call the rainy day fund. They don't call it that, uh, a grander name than that. But anyway, essentially it is a rainy day fund. They're putting away 2 billion euro this year, 4 billion next year from our excess uh, corporation tax receipts. Yeah, well, can I first say that there is a lot of sensitivity towards calling it a rainy day fund now because I think the government ministers feel that uh, if they call it a rainy day fund, people will say, well, it's lashing already. Why aren't you spending this money? So it's now been renamed the National Reserve Fund, if you don't mind. So uh, that's what it is to be called going forward, as you say. And it, two billion to be paid in this year and four next year, I suppose, depending on circumstances, all the money is committed. What that shows really is the extraordinary buoyancy of tax revenue uh, particularly corporate tax revenue, the government can afford to give away, in inverted commas, four billion of once-off measures set aside. I suppose. Se- yeah, to have seven billion in uh, no in once-off measures this year, to have seven billion a seven billion budget, and then to set aside this you know another six billion between this year and next year, while still reporting a budget surplus. So I think it shows the extraordinary health, if you like, of the Irish public finances. It's this uh, wishful thinking on the part of the government. I don't know. I mean, we had uh, the official from the uh, US Federal Reserve based in Atlanta. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was saying yesterday that the UK measures that were introduced by Quasi Quartang uh, last week, extraordinary mini budget, and that this could have the effect. It has destabilized markets and it could have the effect of tipping the world into recession. Now, Ireland can't be immune from that. No, it can't. Uh, So the department is, as I say, expecting much slower growth next year. And reckons that despite that, the budget surplus is going to remain strong. Uh, But clearly, you're right, we are vulnerable. Uh, We're vulnerable to slowdown in the European economy, particularly a slowdown in the US economy, given our reliance on on those companies. And I suppose you could reckon that the exchequer finances are going to be pretty strong next year and there will be money there if needed to 
put more into people's pockets next year. But if you look then towards the end of next year and looking into the year ahead, if the economy is slowing, if employment growth is slowing, unemployment is rising, income tax is going to be hit, corporation tax could be hit in the next couple of years. So yeah, there are risks there over the next couple of years. I don't think there are risks for the next six months, maybe not risks even for the nine, next nine months. But certainly looking at over the next you know, two, three, four years, they are there. And I guess that's why... Uh, Pascal Dunne persuaded his colleagues to set aside €6 billion Euro, um, as a kind of a fighting fund, a reserve fund, uh, to meet the kind of costs and to allow the state to continue to invest because the very worst thing that could happen is, you know, you end up in 18 months' time with the exchequer finances tightening and the government has to cut back on planned investment in housing or health or, or whatever, or climate change. Uh, I, I don't see any prospect of that in the, in the short term, but you're right, the world economy is turning. The Irish economy has probably turned already and we've seen before how quickly things can turn once they do head in the wrong direction. Ken McLaughlin, what's the EY view on the taxation package that was announced by Pascal Dunhuer? Yeah, I think in, in overall terms, I think it is, uh, it, you know, you do have to remind ourselves that this probably is the most significant budget package ever, you know, at 11 billion uh, euros. I think it is fair to say it's unprecedented. And I think, you know, I think the minister tried to, to balance a number of different things. I think one is that need to be prudent, given all the challenges, I think, Cliff, that you've, you've talked very kind of eloquently about. I think to try and strike a balance in terms of a mix of one-off um, and, and more long-term measures. And I think, I suppose, in, in the earlier report, there was a reference to the, you know, with the disappointment perhaps in the hospitality sector about the, the lack of extension of the, the, the 9% rate on, on, on hospitality. And that's a good example, I suppose, of how challenging it can be at times to roll back uh, you know, what are kind of considered to be short-term measures. Sure. Can I just jump in on that piece, actually, Kevin, because we had one of our reporters attend a press briefing earlier hosted by uh, Leo Varadkar. And he was suggesting that uh, this 9% rate, uh, they might actually review that before the end of February. So he was slightly holding a jar to hope um, that this might be extended or might even be extended for some uh, cohorts uh, who have benefited from it over the past uh, number of years. Yeah, Karen. I think um, the minister was very careful. I think actually to not say anything about it, other than that it would it would it would keep going until February twenty three. But obviously, you know, there's that's that's five months away at this stage. And and if if let's say there was a decision to to extend or do something different with it, that option is clearly still there. Um, I think in terms of broader tax measure, I think, I think certainly business will 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 appreciate. Um, I think you know, quite targeted support on on, on energy, um, which I think is kind of critical. I think to helping particularly businesses in the SME space uh, to keep them open, and actually probably more importantly to keep people employed, because I think the Cliff's points earlier. I think uh, you know while the focus in terms of the buoyancy of tax revenues has been on corporation tax revenues. Part of it is also on kind of the, the recovery in employment and therefore employment rate related taxes too. Uh, interestingly, and this may be more one for the kind of people who are kind of watching internationally, I think the references towards the end of the speech towards the need for Ireland to be highly competitive as one of the defences to, you know, again, to kind of potential risks around the, the, the kind of extent of corporation tax revenues, I think would be welcome. And I think within that, I think the kind of signaling of of kind of some kind of important changes to the R&D and regime and other innovation incentives to make sure that as the international tax landscape um, continues to evolve, that those uh, incentives remain as effective, if you like, uh, as they are. And they're kind of significant contributors to, to the innovation economy here. And I think for individuals, 
I think the reductions in taxation are pretty significant depending on, on the level of earnings. I think they can be up to the combination of the, the increase in the bans and the kind of increase in personal tax credits can mean for some individuals they're looking at 800 euro or more um, in terms of actually tax reductions. I think the direct assistance in energy costs, again, it's a significant measure. You know, again, it's equivalent probably to, to the change, the, 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 the value in terms of the changes at the bans at, at you know, 600 over, over three months. And then obviously, um, points that have been well discussed earlier in the program, Kieran, around childcare, education, etc. So, I think broadly, I suppose they would they would be welcomed. Yeah, sure, Cliff. On that point about uh, the income tax changes, it seems that the squeeze middle that Leo Varadkar has often referenced, people get up early in the morning and all of that, and um, they've done very well out of this. Uh, and the low paid might be feeling a little bit aggrieved. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there was this big kind of debate about, or row, if you like, about Leo Varadkar's proposal for a new 30% tax rate, which, by the way, is still in the mix for next year and is going to be studied again. But it was clear that that certainly large parts of government wanted to target so-called middle earners, and particularly this issue that people enter the higher tax rate here at a relatively low income level, 36,800 for, for a single person. So as Kevin said there, when you when you add the extension of the tax band, the USC changes, uh, and the tax credit changes together, uh, the gains for a uh, you know for, for for a single person earning over forty thousand uh, are a pretty hefty eight hundred and thirty one euro. Now, obviously, some of that is going to be needed to adjust for wage increases people are going to get anyway. But as you said, people on lower incomes are kind of middle lower incomes around the kind of 25 30,000 mark might feel aggrieved because their gains are going to be a lot less in cash terms less than 200 euro uh, o- over the year because they don't earn enough to benefit from the widening of the of the of the tax band so they will make gains a lot of those will make it, a lot of people those people will make gains obviously from other parts of the budget package from for example the child benefit double child benefit uh, and and lower income working families will also gain from a once off payment of the working family payment but there is a group there that that are going to feel hard done by uh, I suppose you might call them lower lower middle income earners yeah and then the minimum wage is going up and the USC thresholds are being adjusted to ensure that they yeah so the increase in the minimum wage is, is going to help people who are who earn around that level as the, as the uh, departments um, departments calculations show so they could get a pretty significant increase but it's the ones earning just above that and, and just below the the 40,000, mid-30s, 40,000 level who who are going to see less gains in terms of permanent changes anyway. Uh, Kevin, the 4 billion in once-off payments, essentially, um, reading the tea leaves, is it the EY view that this this will be enough to get us through the worst of the energy crisis or will they have to go again next year? Yeah, I think that's the that's the big unknown. I think, um, uh, I mean, I think Cliff, I think you mentioned earlier, I think there's, there's, there's a couple of big, uh, variables in this. I think one is the continued buoyancy in, in tax receipts generally, you know, and i.e. there for the, the kind of public finances, which I think will be fundamentally dependent on the ability to keep economic activity um, at, at current levels. And uh, and the second piece then, yeah, is just how long um, the, the kind of energy crisis, which again is particularly feeding into the cost of living uh, crisis, is, is, is going to last. And I think on the latter, I think that's that's anyone, anyone's bet. I think the hope on, on the former, I think, is that the, the supports that are there, particularly around helping to sub- subsidize some of the energy costs for business, it will have the effect of keeping both businesses open, will have the effect of keeping people employed. And therefore, if you like, 
um, keeping the kind of employment-related taxes buoyant and obviously the business-related taxes healthy as well. So I think those are probably the two big variables which are which are quite difficult to call right now. Yeah, sure. By the way, what did you make of Quasi Quartang's budget last week? It, it put the markets in a spin uh, and everybody, I suppose, everybody on the back foot and the opposition benches in Britain. What's the EY view? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I think to compare the the approach to um, to that in Ireland, you know, I think um, uh, you know, you had Ken Cliff. It's interesting you talked about you know the, the benefits of say the Irish budget on on higher earners. Well, I think the UK was very much tilted towards you know the the, the kind of those at the higher end uh, from an income scale in terms of dropping the the top right there from forty five to forty percent. And uh, I suppose one thing that would be difficult to contradict in terms of how the Irish budget was framed is that there is no additional debt um, that's been taken on to fund you know, what is a fairly exceptional level of expenditure. Whereas I think in the UK, the approach was very different. I think a lot of the, the kind of, if you like, the spending measures that are contained in the UK budget are very much more funded by, or to be funded by, uh, by borrowing. And I suppose it, it, the, the gamble there is very much that Actually, the tax cuts that have been proposed proposed will ultimately kind of stimulate the economy in a way that generates economic activity and therefore kind of, I suppose, a greater return for the exchequer. But I think it is really interesting to note a very, very different approach was taken both sides of the water. Uh, Cliff on the sterling sterling uh, got hammered for a couple of days there it went to a record low against the dollar I think it's stabilized today. Uh, is a, a lower value sterling, is that good or bad for the Irish economy? Yeah, bad on balance, I'd say, in that it makes, it makes life harder for Irish exporters and a lot of Irish SMEs in particular are reliant on the UK market. Uh, I guess it's good if you live up the northern part of the Republic, you can slip across the border and buy stuff for cheap in, in Sainsbury's or whatever. Uh, possibly the bigger issue, I suppose, for Ireland is the, the risk of kind of economic upheaval in, in the UK of a period of very slow growth, which is also going to hit our exporters. Um, as Kevin said, the bet that the UK government is making is their budget is going to boost economic growth. Uh, but the problem is that, uh, okay, so the higher earners are going to get a big bang, a big benefit from the top tax rate coming down from 45 to 40%, but borrowers are look like they're going to be hit very quickly there. Um, there's speculation that UK base rates could be up to 6% by next um, spring. So what's that mean for mortgage rates, 7 or 8%? Um, that is a huge hit to people's incomes and in, in kind of macro terms will surely outweigh any benefit to the UK economy from the tax cut. OK, at this point, we're going to let Kevin McLaughlin of EY go. Thank you for joining the show, uh, Kevin. And I know you've got a busy evening ahead. We're going to take a short break now. When I return, I'll be talking to the director of the Small Firms Association about the business elements of Budget 2023. And Cliff Taylor will be joining us as well. Back in a few moments. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com.
Welcome back to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. For this part of the show, I'm uh, joined by Sven spollen Behrens, who's uh, director of the Small Firms Association, and Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times is also with me here in studio. Sven, can I just ask you, um, the government said that it uh, today announced that it's introducing a temporary business energy support scheme uh, to assist businesses with their energy costs over the winter months. This is very much uh, directed towards the SME sector, so your members must be very much in favour of this. Yeah, we're very pleased uh, to see that uh, this was established. Um, just uh, to say it, it covers 40% of the energy and gas bill increases capped at um, 10,000 euros per month, and it will be administered by revenue backdated to September. Um, that's also positive, and it's good to see also that uh, there's an additional um, funding stream for those manufacturing businesses and those export-oriented businesses administered by Enterprise Island. So that's that's uh, very welcome as well. We just need to, to see the details. The first scheme, the Temporary Business Energy Support Scheme, um, Revenue compliance was mentioned. We just need to see what's happening with those businesses whose uh, tax debt is still warehoused with revenue, what's happening with small business and tax arrears. But uh, you're right, it's very much welcomed by the small business community. Now, I suppose on the flip side, if you like, uh, the 9% rate that uh, VAT rate that currently applies to the hospitality sector and which would apply to a lot of uh, small operators in restaurants, hairdressers, hotels, etc., guest houses and so forth. Um, the minister has indicated that that is going to end at the end of February as previously signalled that it won't be uh, extended beyond that point. So that, that obviously will be a disappointment. That's a that's a disappointment, and also to say, you know, um, there was no holistic view on the cost of doing business at the moment for small businesses. You know, the the whole labor cost piece, the the VAT piece now uh, adds pressure. In, the insurance crisis is still there, hasn't gone away. We heard from uh, lots of small businesses that uh, rent increases either have happened or coming down the tracks, and then you have, uh, uh, you know, the the exit of 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 the the banks, and that's taking up. Uh, a lot of time and that's at the time where there's so much going on and uh, that small businesses le- need this like a hole in the head but uh, yeah 9% is a disappointment but but more of that is that the overall cost of doing business aspect wasn't really addressed. Sven do you think there's any chance of that 9% rate being extended or being extended for a certain cohort? Leo Varadkar at a press conference uh, after the budget speeches suggested that there might be a review before the end of uh, February and kind of left the door slightly ajar to uh, to it being retained, possibly only for a, a certain cohort. Yeah, I mean, obviously that would be very beneficial, especially for for those uh, small um, restaurateurs, for for small the small businesses in the in the Irish experience economy. It's it's good to hear that the door isn't fully closed. Um, let, let's see what's going to happen. But we're really concerned, you know, about all of uh, the other costs of doing business that are impacted. Uh, uh, by by these uh, the, the small business that are impacted by all of the other cost increases as well. So we just need to look at that as well. Yeah. What about the windfall energy tax that was mentioned? They haven't done anything specific, anything Irish specific in this budget. We're, we're obviously just waiting to see what uh, the EU-wide plan, how that'll work out. But I guess, uh, again, he left the door ajar to possibly measures uh, down the road. Would your members support a windfall tax on energy companies or not? So it's 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 really hard to tell. It's just at this stage we, we really welcome what's what's being introduced, and and I think that's a, a step in, in the right direction. Uh, but um, as you as you mentioned, tax. Um, uh, what what we see is uh, there's there's no real view on 
the overall taxation uh, or not of small businesses, a more strategic approach towards uh, supporting the indigenous enterprise sector versus um, the, the multinationals. We heard a lot about the corporation tax take today and, and how this can't be taken for granted. But what we really missing was an announcement in relation to developing an SME tax roadmap, for instance. We heard about uh, an income tax review and maybe an income tax roadmap being introduced where we didn't hear anything about an SME road tax. What, sorry, what would you like? Uh, we would like to see, so today uh, it was mentioned um, that the key employee engagement program uh, is going to be extended until uh, 2025. Uh, and uh, whilst that's welcome, uh, no, no SME in Ireland that I'm aware of is actually using it because uh, it's actually not workable. And, you know, apart from um, apart from the cost of um, doing business, um, the staff retention and staff recruitment is the key issue of small businesses at the moment. It was good news that we have those low unemployment figures announced by uh, Pascal Donahue today and that those will uh, last until um, next year as well. But we didn't hear uh, any measures about uh, how small businesses can be supported through a share option scheme that's actually workable. Um, mm. And uh, that's been kicked down the road again. And then also the R&D tax credit is something um, that needs to be looked at and it's not fit for purpose uh, for small business. You need a consultancy firm uh, to help you with that. And what we also didn't see addressed uh, is the capital gains tax issue, which would be really welcome if uh, for small business owners that want to attract, attract investment, that this is going to be lowered. Cliff Taylor, I guess they got to keep some income coming in. You can't give everything away in one budget. So uh, perhaps that's the reason why some of those measures that Sven talks about uh, weren't addressed in this budget. What's your overall view of the package of me- measures for business? I mean, first of all, in terms of what Sven said for uh, small businesses in, in the kind of strategic sense, I think he has a point. Like the government has jumped through the hoops many times on corporate tax roadmaps aimed at bigger companies. And there is a need, I think, to look at how smaller companies are dealt with as well. I mean, I think what's happened in the budget, uh, and particularly the, the the scheme of support for small business and the promise of grants from the Department of Business and Enterprise uh, for bigger businesses uh, who are hit by the energy crisis is a reflection of how worried the government is about the impact of this on, on activity and jobs over the rest of this year and the risks that if it didn't act, we could see a lot of closures or a lot of companies downsizing. Um, so, as Sven said, I think a lot of the detail is still to be worked out. I understand the revenue is going to uh, produce some guidance in the next uh, the next few days about how the new schemes will work and what the, exactly the qualifying criteria will be, uh, based purely on 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 energy costs, as I understand it, and, and not related to profitability in any way. Uh, but I think, as happened in COVID, this is kind of a fairly dramatic intervention to try and uh, to try and save jobs, and we can only hope that as with the COVID schemes, that, that it works. And I think a lot of that will come down to, to the duration of what happens. If we see energy prices start to moderate next year, then I presume this scheme might well be extended beyond February, uh, but can then be be wound down over a period of time. If energy prices stay high, uh, it's it's a bigger problem. You asked Sven there about the windfall tax. Uh, and my understanding is that, as you say, they're waiting to see what happens at EU level. The hope is that the tax, a windfall tax could pay a a proportion of the cost, the 1.2 billion expected cost of these business measures. You know how much? But nobody's quite sure how much yet, and nobody's willing to go to go on the record, uh, or even off the record on that one yet. And is it a country by country approach to that? Cliff? We, don't, we don't know. It, 
there seems to be some still a lot to be worked out at EU level. And I think the official position here is, look, we'll wait to see what happens to the EU at the EU. I understand there's a meeting of EU energy ministers later this week, which may provide more information or may not. But this is turning out to be complicated stuff. But if there isn't something done at EU level, I think there will be something done at Irish level um, in terms of the kind of super profits, if you like, being earned by wind energy production, you know, wherever those profits are, whatever companies those profits actually yeah. reside in, you know, can be difficult to identify. But I think there will be something done there and also, you know, additional dividends from, from state-owned companies. So there will be something jimmied up there to help pay a bit of the cost to this, I think. Uh, it's interesting that he extended the SARP uh, relief tax relief uh, program for senior executives until 2025. This has been quite controversial. Um, so this is people who are assigned by their company to work in Ireland uh, for a period. There are certain terms and conditions around it. But he's increased qualifying income to 100 grand. Yeah. So you're getting a, a tax a tax break on that. Uh, it's it's quite interesting. I think a lot of these people, I think most of these people are going to be earning north of 100 grand anyway if they of qualify course. for SARP in the first place. Of course. But nonetheless, they're getting a substantial Absolutely. Uh, tax break. It's a huge tax break. That isn't available to uh, no. People it's a huge tax break and it is it is a uh, a target it is controversial and it's very much a target of Sinn Féin. Uh I mean Sinn Féin has been tic-tacking with the multinationals as we know uh, and I think has kind of made some of its all of its policies more business friendly you might say uh, has listened to what it's you know, what it was told but I think this is one of the issues that it certainly has dug in on that this should be done away with and I think you're right from a fairness point of view it is very strange to see uh, you know, a group of people getting getting a, getting what is a, in effect a, a very significant tax break. You know, why shouldn't they be paying income tax on the same basis as the rest of us are getting state service, state services? The flip side of that argument is that you know, if you don't give that break, what other countries are doing it, and it, these people will go to other countries, and if they go to other countries, then some of the activities of these big companies will go with them. Um, I'm not sure whether that's the case or not, but that is they are the two sides of the argument. But like you, I find it a bit. I find it a bit hard to take, given how how much everyone is soaked for income tax sure. uh, in this country. But there it is. Yeah, Sven. One other element that might be of interest to your members, because uh, I guess there are a lot of small companies involved in film production, um, is that the corporation tax credit uh, for film making here has been uh, extended until December twenty twenty eight. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's obviously that's po- positive, and uh, we we all have seen over the years um, um, the positive employment uh, effect of the industry um, here to this country. I, I believe uh, only last week there was uh, announcement made of investment um, in County Wexford, uh, which is um, obviously very very positive to see. But it would be really good, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, to have a, a clear SME strategy, uh, a tax strategy, and not just um, um, support certain sectors, but look uh, at the SME sector uh, with a holistic view and see how can we become less dependent on the multinationals. Okay, and uh, you know, on a base of one to ten, how would you score Pascal Dunne, whose budget ten being excellent, being very good for SMEs? I would I'd give give him a good six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. All right. Well, we'll report that back to him and see what he has to say in return. Uh, Sven, thank you for joining us. Um, and we might have you back on Inside Business in the months to come to see how your members are, are getting on um, as the, you know, as the winter unfolds and the energy uh, crisis unfolds, as it were. Thank you. Cliff, how would you score the budget uh, <laughs> on, a, on a, a one to ten basis overall now going beyond business? Yeah, I mean, 
you'd give it a seven and a half, I suppose. I don't think there's any alternative but to throw money at the problem. Um, Will there be any pole bounce for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael in this budget? Maybe a short term one. I mean, there is a lot of money being given to people. I mean, the, the, the problem is, you know, people are going to be happy about that, but then they're going to see their energy bills come in in November and and January. So I think, yeah, the government will get some credit for this. Um, I suspect Sinn Féin's attack that it wasn't enough kind of may, you know, may peter out a little bit, but its attack in other areas, for example, the government's record on housing is, you know, is still going to stick and it appears that the government is still behind behind target on house building this year, despite all the money being spent. Uh, one of the interesting things that the budget, I think, is that this expansion of the longer term role of the state in providing services, like, for example, in areas like childcare, uh, in areas of the health service, and uh, in areas of education, for example, the, the school books, as Jennifer uh, Bray mentioned earlier, and Nothing clearer than if you get the primary school books in one budget, you're probably going to get the secondary school books in the next budget. So slowly and slowly, while a lot of the temporary supports introduced during COVID have been phased out, and presumably at some stage the temporary supports introduced during the energy crisis are being phased out, we're still being left with some extra spending sticking and increasing demands for the state to to do things for people, to cover when people's incomes hit a shock and to provide more in terms of services. I think in the long term, that probably is going to mean, well, sorry, we're definitely going to mean more taxes. But uh, that's not coming at the moment because it's all given this budget. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Jennifer Bray, Cliff Taylor, Kevin McLaughlin and Sven Spollen-Berens. Uh, the show was produced by Declan Conlon. My thanks also to our sponsor, EY. Uh, remember, you can sign up to our Business Today email by uh, logging on to irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.